program thank you very much for your kind birthday wishes it was last wednesday the second day of summer so also happy summertime sure feeling it out there it's about a buck that means it's 100 degrees thanks to our sponsor coleman rogers photography online coleman rogers photography.com today a very special guest co-host that's what i'm calling it blue Blue's coming back to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the release of Redhead. August 27th at the Sinclair in Cambridge is the show. Tickets available. Grab them up while you can. We had a very lengthy conversation. I will do my best to fit it all within the next two hours. And Blue created this great playlist that I will also share on Spotify. I know I don't use Spotify. I didn't use it for the show. I went out and I purchased all the songs that I didn't have already. The likes of O. Damone, Ben Camaro, Expanding Man, The Great Bandini, Rocket Science, Some Blue Numbers, The Everyday Visuals, The Gravel Pit, Dear Leader, Favorite Atomic Hero. You know I love them. So Blue and I talk about a lot of things. So I'll break it up throughout the course of the next two hours and play the songs that he picked out as part of his playlist. I have a couple of new numbers to share, and maybe we'll get to the songs of the week. This is brand new Bleach the Sky. It's Boston Emissions. I dreamed it all the way. Think about it all the time. I'll never shake it. It's easy to believe. Resting on your laurels, I just fade into decay.
about it all the time, I'll never shake it. It's easy to believe, resting on your laurels, I just fade into decay.
Boston Emissions, New Music, Sunshine Riot, Just Say So, from Sparkle Baby 2000, their new EP due out in September. We open the show with Bleach the Sky, I Just Fade. Everything about the show at bostonemissions.com. There's a few ways to listen. Uncertain FM, every Sunday at 3 p.m. And Bumblebee Radio, every Monday at 4 p.m. And again, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. And always at bostonemissions.com. All the playlists, all the show info, everything about the program, all there, bostonemissions.com. You can follow along at Boston Emissions on all the usual haunts. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Yeah, I, I put some TikTok things up there mostly on my personal page and mostly my dogs all right thanks so much to blue for hanging out with me and uh shooting the shit really that's what we did we talked a lot about uh you know songwriting his life and times coming up through the boston scene we talked about a number of things and well we had a ball hey how you doing i'm wonderful how are you great had a blast today texting all my buddies, like remembering <laughs> I sent that playlist out to like a dozen people. <laughs> That's awesome. It's so good. It's like blast from the past for me too. I Yeah, I can imagine. It's uh, There definitely was like some bands that I didn't remember. And there's a bunch of bands I couldn't find too. Right. I right. must say like bands that I would want to be on there that aren't on Spotify. Right. Um, and I couldn't kind of find otherwise. Do you remember that band Apollo Sunshine? Yes, I do. And uh, yeah, I mean, they were awesome. But um, actually, they are on Spotify, but not their records from back then. Like only their new records are on there. Right. Um, I bet I have. I, I probably have. I, I definitely don't have all of this. I, I definitely kept... Um, a number of CDs during my various, you know, studio moves. I don't know if I have that. I'll check. I mean, it might be worth a might be worth looking at. But um, these cool. are this is a pretty outstanding list. I mean, the great Bandini. I haven't even mentioned that band in years. The Rudds, of course, legendary. Yeah. Uh, Paula Kelly. Do do you do you spend uh, time with a lot of the Boston folks? Are you do you have time to meet up with some of the Boston to LA folks? There's a few people I see, but but not much, to be honest. Um, I mean, I'm a dad now, and, you know, I'm a full-time musician, and <laughs> that <laughs> requires a lot of, you know, man hours. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Also, I moved to Santa Monica, and, like, nobody lives in Santa Monica. You know, all the Boston people live on the east side. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's it's hilarious to me, Blue, the conversations that people have like, oh, you're and it's within the city limits. But they're like, oh, you're you're there. No, I don't want to drive there. hundred percent. It's totally yeah. true. My a buddy of mine actually moved um, from New York recently and he moved to Glendale. Yeah, <laughs> that's and he's, a million and he's, miles he, away from Santa Monica. <laughs> exactly. He's like, I'm, he's like, I'm so excited. I'm going to see you all the time. And I'm like, bro, you're moving to Glendale. I'm literally going to see, I would see you more if you still lived in New York. <laughs> <laughs> How long has it been since you moved, you, you moved to Hollywood? 
You went Hollywood. That's always my joke. Like, I won't go Hollywood. I'm like, and then he did. How long have you been in California? 15 years now. Oh, wow. Has it been that long? Yeah. <laughs> wow, man. Time yeah. flies. I never moved to Hollywood. I got it. I got it. I never actually moved to Hollywood, to be fair. But um, but yeah, man, it's been 15 years. I I can't believe it either. Like, Mm -hmm. I really seriously, it's it's just kind of mind boggling Mm -hmm. and reminiscing about all these old bands today, man. I was right back there. Right (laughs) on. Thinking about the Middle East and just all those club shows we we played. And Mm -hmm. especially I was I don't Mm -hmm. know, I was I was thinking a lot about the like scene days before I got signed. I don't know. They, they, they were, they were great times. They were just great times and just, uh, you know, mm-hmm. so many great hangs with friends. It, it, it was a heady time. It was, it was, it was a great time to, to, to be alive in that city, making music with other but- cool bands. I mean, th- these records sound so good. Too listening yeah. back to, yeah. to some of these re- records, they they hold up, man. Some of them in particular, but I'm like, they were just some great engineers and producers, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, great sounding self- studios. Yeah, man. Oh, oh, I forgot one. I just remembered one. I got to put <laughs> on here. Let me okay, see. Okay. Let, me, let me see if they're on here. Rocket Science. You remember them? Oh God, yeah, they're great. Oh, really so poppy, good. really poppy. Super poppy. Uh, oh, this was the record I liked. It's on here. It was called A Girl's Name Here. <laughs> that was the name of the record. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, oh. This is really good. Oh, I remember Everyday Visuals. Uh, those guys moved out west. Yep. Yep. Uh, well, I one of those guys is like ended up their their drummer who's also yeah, like a mul- new pornographer. Yeah, he's with the new yeah. pornographer, and actually he's out with um the gal in the new pornographers, Nico Case, of course. He's he's out with her right now, but uh, I I called him. He's one of the people I called to be like, hey, what what were what were some of the band? But I put that Rocket Science song on there. That's so good. <laughs> this is a stellar list. Wheat. I met a girl. Great band. Dear leader on here. Yeah, we were we were splitting hairs. Me and in the the my old guitar player and bass player Bill Guerra and Max Tosti from back in the day. We were they were they were like actually it wasn't dear leader. They were the Sheila Divine yes. then or whatever. And yeah. and I was like, yeah, but I like dear leader better. Well, and Aaron has another band. There's another new band. We're like it's kind of splitting hairs, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is. He's a great songwriter, so that that carries over really well for him, doesn't it? <laughs> Big time. Big time. But uh and and of course I sent you that I sent you that link too. There there's only two songs on there besides my new single just because i really wanted to play them i love that favorite atomic hero song do you remember that that's one of my all-time favorites i play that band a lot and they are one of the bands i used to see quite a lot like when i first got into when i first started to to dig into boston music and i had started at wfnx and i and i was going to see bands a lot favorite atomic hero was one of those bands i saw a lot they used to play at the linwood of course you remember the linwood and bill's oh. bar i never moved to california
Houston emissions. She could be the most lovable girl these eyes have seen. But what did she mean when she said it's really just a dream? Boston Emissions, Rocket Science, Killjoy, Dear Leader, Raging Red, Favorite Atomic Hero, California, all songs picked by today's guest. It's Blue. We're talking about a number of things, and we're revisiting the days of rock and roll shows in Boston proper when we went to the Linwood and Bill's Bar. Oh my gosh. I played Bill's Bar so many times mm-hmm. and hung out there because all my yeah. my yeah. manager worked there and my guitar player worked there yep. for a while. Yep. <laughs> so like yep. I hung out there like every night. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Let's back up a little bit. You grew up where? I grew up in a little town called Blacksburg, Virginia. 
which is in the Appalachian Mountains. Virginia Tech, uh, mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it's a it's a college town. Mm-hmm. Hokey, go Hokies! And what brought you to Boston College? Yeah, I went to Berkeley. I started Berkeley when I was seventeen, and I graduated when I was twenty. So, I you know I was still like a child when right. I <laughs> when I graduated, and then you know it wasn't until many years later that I got signed. So I was, you know, around, mm-hmm. I, I grew up in, in Boston, you yeah. know, r- really. Do you remember when you first started playing? Like, do you remember your shows and who you were playing with and where the venues were that you started playing in? I love these old stories. I could wax, you know, about all of these old Boston stories forever. And I know that you probably have some great ones. My very first real show was at TT yeah. the Bears. Of course. And I was not only dying my hair blue at that time, <laughs> but I actually dyed my whole face blue. This was pre-Blue Man Group. Yeah, um, at you're that, onto something. Yeah, at that first show. And by the end of the first song, the dye had dripped <laughs> down in my eyes and I was completely blind. Not oh. only that, but like I had I had put it like all over my hands. So uh-huh. like it was like slipping all over the guitar. I couldn't play the guitar. I mean, it, it was a total nightmare, a disaster. And I remember <laughs> I was dating this girl and she was in this other band that was like a, a like pre emo band. Like they were just starting to use the term emo. Yeah. Like at that time, and she described herself as like being in an emo band, but it was like totally a new term. And um, oh god, I was so in love with her. And she came to that show, and it was a total disaster. And she stopped dating me after that. Oh no! (laughs) Yes. Oh no. (laughs) Yep. So she couldn't figure out what your what your thing was. She's like, "What's this guy's?" thing he's i i couldn't figure out what my thing was (laughs) (laughs) did you ever did you ever speak to her again after that and explain yourself no i mean we totally we totally lost touch she started dating a dude who was in the reverend horton heat yeah um like one of the guitar players or something and uh i I was devastated of course but i got a lot of songs out of it That's the right thing to do, you see? <laughs> Good and bad, write a song. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you have been working as a songwriter probably your whole life. Do you remember your first song that you wrote? I mean, I was writing songs when I was like five, six years old. That's so amazing. I don't, you know. I. Uh, you wouldn't the, remember that. No, so no. The big moment for me was I I wrote a song for I think it was English class (laughs) or it was like sort of vaguely related to that it it was about that book where the lilies bloom which I don't know if anybody reads that anymore but it was a book that they made you read it was like part of the Mm -hmm. curriculum when I was in middle school I wrote a song on my and I I tried to like uh, notated out on my like Tandy 1000 computer <laughs> and my my middle school choir teacher like you know helped me sort of figure it out and stuff like that and then my choir did the song at a at a concert oh that's amazing um and oh. and that was it for me I was like I was like I'm gonna be a professional songwriter I never looked back mm-hmm. honestly mm-hmm. kind of all I ever wanted to do 
when, when I talk about songwriting, I love to go back to that Eagles documentary when Glenn Fry is um, talking about living in a house with Jackson Brown and Jackson Brown is downstairs writing songs and Glenn Fry is just sort of like lurking into, I guess his process. And uh, Glenn Fry is like, yeah, I, I, I basically figured out how to write songs by listening to Jackson Brown, write them downstairs. And they were probably living Laurel Canyon or something like that, I imagine at the time. Absolutely. Not only do I believe that you can learn to write songs. Um, I mean, I, I got a songwriting degree from mm, Berkeley College mm-hmm. of Music, but mm-hmm. I, wrote, I wrote a master's degree course for Berkeley. Not only do I, I think that you can learn how to become a songwriter, how to become a better songwriter, but I kind of almost believe that like anybody can do it <laughs> as well. I You're just fake it till you make it, right? To, to use a very trite term, but a lot of songwriters will say that it's just, and sometimes it's copying other people. A hundred percent. I mean, that's <laughs> the majority of what I'm doing still. Um, <laughs> that quote that's attributed to a million people, um, you know, good songwriters borrow, great songwriters steal. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no. So I, I, I believe in in the education element of it for for sure um and and i love it as well i love i love the uh, sort of nerdy academic (laughs) side of songwriting and what that means you know Mm -hmm. do people come to you and say i have no idea what i'm doing help me write songs for myself yeah that's happened before sure Mm -hmm. Um, and what does that take for you? Is that something where you're like, can I get, can I have a conversation with you? Can I get to know you a little bit? Or does, yeah, like, that's a huge or, part is of it. Like that muscle memory thing about you kick in and you're like, okay, let's go. I think it's a little bit of both, but definitely, you know, um, if I'm writing in the room with an artist, you know, I'm trying to help them tell their story. And that's about, you know, like having, uh, lot of conversations about what they want to do and uh you know listening to a lot of other music and other music that they've made and all those kinds of things but yeah um and i I think that you know that there's a a great history of that too of songwriters helping artists be their truest self almost you know yeah yeah um and you know some of the great artists of all time didn't necessarily write their biggest hits, even great songwriters. Right. (laughs) You know, um, like you think of Johnny Cash or somebody like that, you know, he's sung plenty of songs, um, you know, that he didn't necessarily write that are classic Johnny Cash songs and speak to his story and all that kind of thing. So I think that's part of the fun of it is trying to get to the heart of somebody to help them, you know, tell their story. Yeah. Absolutely. You're celebrating Redhead. The release of Redhead was, um, well, it is is officially the 20th anniversary this year. Yeah, it sure <laughs> is. I know. Uh, how, old, how old do we feel when we think about that? Seriously. 20, 20 years ago. <laughs>
The Gravel Pit, I Climb Up This Tree from Silver Gorilla. The Ruds, Good Start, and Blue Get Up off Redhead. It's the 20th anniversary celebration this August, August 27th at the Sinclair. Blue coming back to town with Chauncey. We talk about that. We get to it. We're covering a lot of grounds. We even get into true crime. My other love, my very special guest on today's show, 
Blue. You can find him online at bluetopia.com. What does your shirt say? This is a sweatshirt that says crime of the truest kind. I do a, a true crime podcast and it's also covered in a lot of dog hair. So I'm surprised you can even make it out. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a podcast that I do. It was a it started as a pandemic project and I love it. has grown since. And it's I'm actually on a little bit of a hiatus now be, just because I've been so busy, but I'm writing new episodes and people have been really really wonderful about it and really complimentary about it and tell me how much they enjoy it. So I'm like, I guess I should keep doing it. I love it. People like it. So do you know about the murders at Starved Rock? So I actually did the music for an HBO true crime documentary called the murders at Starved Rock. And it's a really interesting story. Mm -hmm. And there still is a lot of controversy over whether the guy who was convicted, who was mm. um, the longest uh, serving inmate in all of Illinois history, still. Wow. Um, he's still he's alive a- to this day? He's still alive. He's in wow. his late 90s, mid to wow. late 90s. Yeah. And he's out now, mm. but um, uh, on parole. Uh, mm. But um, yeah, anyway, there there still is a lot of controversy about whether whether he did it or not. And so it's 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 interesting if you're into true crime I I would highly recommend it. That's why I tell people I am. That, you know, cause, yeah, cuz they're 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 like should I watch is it good should I watch it? I'm like if you like true crime <laughs> then mm-hmm. you should watch it. If you don't like true crime then it's probably not your thing, but <laughs> that must be fun. That must be fun to create music for because you can be very ominous and very suspenseful at the same time. Yeah, um, obviously a lot of call for that and, you know, creepy and, mm. uh, and, and all that. And, uh, and, and it was fun. We, we tried to do something that, that didn't uh, trade on all the tropes and, yes. and, and what yes. you hear in a lot of, uh, you know, other uh, true crime documentaries. Cause there is kind of like a style to that, that I'm not actually a huge fan of. Um, So yeah, it was fun to try to come up with something that hit all those emotions that you need Mm -hmm. without, you know, kind of, you know, hitting the tropes or whatever. What's your favorite part of what you do? What's the favorite? What what do you look forward to doing the most? Is it, you know, scoring something? Is it working with artists to tell their story? Is it making your own music? What's your favorite? My favorite thing is the variety. (laughs) No, no. And that really is the truth because I go through these cycles because if I do something too much, something about it gets irritating. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, you know, that is what I like that I have this like what's interesting and fun to me is that I do all these different things. The crazy, yeah. disparate, wild yeah. things. I mean, my resume is is uh, very schizophrenic, <laughs> and uh, and that's what I love. You know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm still always looking for like something different, a new challenge or whatever. Do you continue to listen to new stuff? Just so, sort of get a pulse on what other people are doing. Yeah, mostly. You know, fr- it's friends telling me. Mm-hmm about things Mm -hmm. of course i'm always checking out new stuff love to 
Mm-hmm. And I do, and I, and I actually, I listen to more old music now than I ever did too, yeah. because I got a, a nice tape player and I sort of have like a hi-fi system now. And um, I never got rid of like a lot of my tapes from when I was a kid, I carted them around like everywhere. Even place when, to place in a, in a, in like an old milk crate. No, I, I actually believe it or not. I, I had the actual like thing from when I was in high school. It's like these drawers. Yeah. There's like a real, there's a certain look to them. They're like this fake wood. <laughs> and, and when I decided I was going to like get back into it, I, I, I pulled those, you know, they're like all like taped together. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I pulled everything off and the drawer things themselves were like falling apart yeah. and not salvageable. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I was like, ah, oh, these things are awesome. And so I actually ended up finding similar ones on eBay <laughs> that were in good shape because I really wanted those. Same, That's where like, you would get them. Yeah. I wanted those same drawers, but yeah. And actually I consume a lot of music on VHS as well. Um, You're so old school, man. I'm very into it. And, and, you know, a lot of people don't remember, but in the late nineties, even the early two thousands, if you were a popular band, you usually had a VHS and not only that, but they were, they sold so many copies that there was a billboard chart for it and the VHS would go gold and platinum. And wow. I didn't, so on and I so never forth. knew that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I have a lot of, I'm actually looking at them. They're like sitting right next to me here. So what is That's one of those cassettes one. that you have, that you have worn out throughout your, you know, teen years into your young adult years that you have replaced? Can you think of, is there one or two cassettes that you've worn out and you've replaced? I I know off the top of my head, mine's probably Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction. You are fucking shitting me. <laughs> that was literally, <laughs> literally just what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. I, bought, I bought three copies of Appetite for Destruction just when I was a kid. Yeah. Because yeah. I like, I, I would listen to it I would listen to it like eight times a day. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? And you know, all you like, um, I don't know if you remember, but that one, it was, it was one of those like clear gray plastic tapes. And yeah, and yeah. the the letters would wear off. Almost. Yes, yes, yes. And, and so, like all of the you know all of the letters had you know worn off of it from like handling it a million times. And but yeah, that that was one man. I listened to that a whole whole whole. I can still listen to that record. Like, I still I still like it. And I, I I will admit that there are one or one song that I can speak of that I always sort of skip past. Do you have one of those or are you start to finish? Start to finish. Good for you. No question about mm-hmm. it. I mean, that th- that was just like an obsessive moment for me. And and like I say, I mean, I, I think it holds up 100%. It, I, it sounds, what I always tell people is it, it still sounds dangerous. Hmm. It like, it sounds like it's about to explode or implode or whatever at like at all moments it's like so on the edge you can hear the you know the angst it's almost punk rock in that 
way, except almost like without the gag (laughs) of it, you know, like (laughs) it's, you know, it's anyway, it's fun to reminisce about that one. (laughs) I I mean, remember at that time in our, you know, we were, we were very young when that came out and, you know, what was really popular at the moment uh, was all the hair bands and the hair bands were starting to eat themselves because it just, you know, like everything, you know, that there was the core hair bands, like the Motley Cruz and bands like that. And then there were the carbon copies and they just got worse and worse and worse. So by the time Guns N' Roses came out in the late eighties, but like 88 that came out, mm. people were just so hungry for something that wasn't so fucking cheesy. And that wasn't cheesy. That was like you say, it was dangerous. It was like the essence of, you know, the fall down Steven Tyler Aerosmith era combined with like what people loved about, you know, New York City, you know, New York doll stuff like that. But then it was rough around the edges and it was a little dangerous. It was a lot dangerous. It was. And, and, you know, and it, it, it was real, you know, yeah. it, it didn't just like, it wasn't a put on, mm-hmm. you know, which I feel like a lot of those bands were like putting that on. They were, um, you know, wearing that suit or whatever. Yeah. And, or mask, whatever you want to say, but they weren't, or at least it felt like they weren't, you know, and that that's what the music, you know, felt like. I remember like, I, I, I you know, drew the logos and notebooks and like, yeah. I, you know, wrote, wrote it on Sharpie on my like jean jacket <laughs> and like, you know, all Do that. Do you have patches? Patches, all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Do you watch Stranger Things? I watched the first season and the second season mm-hmm. and then I stopped and then I had a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you fall asleep on the couch. I get it. I get it. Uh, the the current season is I guess it's season four. They have one character on the show, and his name is Eddie Munson. And the reason why I bring him up is because Eddie Munson is like all of our friends that we grew up with. He's like the metal guy. He has a giant Dio patch on the back of his his cut off jean jacket vest. He's got like the long scraggly hair. The first moment I laid eyes on the guy, I'm like, oh, I know that guy. Like, I know that guy. I grew up with that guy. A great character for the time that the show is set in. It's like 1986 this this season is set in. And he's like every guy. So I'm hoping that um, I see uh, references to like a BC rich warlock in the trailers for the other half of the next season so i'm hoping that metal guy eddie munson gets to you know play a little guitar for us and then in the next Uh, part of the season and i would love to see if if they put dio into the soundtrack because he so rightfully deserves it oh that'd be so great i would love that you know what i go back gotta go back and watch is that tenacious d movie dio's dio's in in that uh, i think he's like right at the beginning right Dio is awesome, by the way. I feel like I don't know. It's weird, like how he became kind of a like a, a sort of a, a punchline or something mm-hmm. at at some point because he's mm-hmm. so good. He was doing stuff that people weren't doing. Totally, and I I love those Black Sabbath records, you know, as well. Yeah, he's great. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. I know, man. Right. 
Boston Emissions Expanding Man, Love and Disaster. Such good stuff. Damone, frustrated, unnoticed. You know, I think we need more songs about um, BMX bikes. And Bank Camaro, Nightlife Commando. Bank Camaro making new music and unclear as to how many, if any, singers might be on the record. I'll give it a guess. Mm, 11? But let's talk more about Expanding Man. Expanding Man had a record just like I did that yeah. like that got eaten up by the label system and, mm-hmm. and never mm-hmm. came out. Mm-hmm. And then years and years and years and years later, they got it back just like me. Yeah. Um, but um, because Bill Guerra, who was in Expanding Man, was in my band, we listened to that second record all the time. Huge fan of the songwriter well, everybody in the band was yeah. was totally amazing but um the the main songwriter he went on to have a, a great band called loveless oh dave wanamaker wanamaker i love and- loveless man that that record oh. they, they made one record and one and done and it that's one that start to finish is it's solid. ridiculous it's it's unbelievable that guy was so freaking talented and a huge, huge influence yeah. on yeah. me. And I always so tell him that he's not in music anymore. So, you know, I, I see him every now and again. And I always tell him that. And he's like, he's like, what are you talking about? That's ridiculous. Do and you I'm ever like, in your in your professional travels, do you ever run into Tom Polche who's out there? I don't know. Um, Letters to Cleo. Yeah. No, of course. I, I totally know Polche. And and uh, again, you know, I think it's just just you know, we mm-hmm. both are working all the time. Also, yeah. it's it's weird, especially like with producers and mixers and things like that. It's like I'm more likely to run into like other top liners or, or we call them top liners. I don't, I don't know if people generally know what that means, but usually they're singers and they they write the lyrics and, and melody. Typically these days, songwriting is, is a little bit sort of more split up into specific jobs Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. one of them they call them top liners so it's more likely that i'll see different top liners all the time than other producers because you know what i mean he's a great guy and oh i didn't put will daly i wonder if mapari is on (laughs) here oh shoot he played in that band for a while 
Yeah. Uh, that was like his band. So actually my very first apartment that I had in Boston was this basement apartment. And I mean, it was a basement apartment. <laughs> it would, there's no way anything was to code in there. It wasn't like a basement apartment. It was like a basement. And, and I remember Will Daly, he came to look at the apartment. <laughs> That's when I met him for the very first time. And uh, and then and they he ended up taking the apartment after me and lived there with his band and they rehearsed in oh. the apartment. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Mapari. Mapari rehearsed in that, in that freaking apartment. <laughs> Where was that lower Alston? <laughs> No, actually, it was, uh, you know, Boston. Proper, there used to be okay. like, it was, it was like the first Whole Foods in Boston. It was like right across the street from that mm-hmm. there, you know, near, near, near the symphony. Yeah. Uh, near the symphony down there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that's, that's, that's another funny little, little Boston story. I see Will every now and again. I, uh, I bumped into him not too long ago, actually. He, he keeps in touch. But he's he's a little bit after Mapari would be the they would be the right era for the playlist. Oh, for sure. Yeah, this is all you know, late nineties, early like Demond's probably early two thousands. Most uh, of it is early two thousands. That's what I was kind of trying yeah. to sort of stick to. Did uh, do you know what Mapari was named after? I don't. The Maparium. You remember the map area, or I assume it's still there. It was a uh, part of the Christian Science Center. Actually, what it is is it's a giant globe, um, like of the Earth, but you walk inside of it. So you you look at it from the inside, like as opposed to the outside, and it has all these like crazy acoustics. I'm sure I've, I've to anybody that I left off the list to, I, I apologize. It, it, <laughs> I, I may or may not have had a few drinks back in those days. Hmm. This is really great. Some stuff that I had truly forgotten about. What are some of the ones that you you're 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 most like? Oh wow, those guys. I I mean a, a lot of these bands I I still play like Count Zero and um, Damone. I play a lot. Dear Leader. The Cautions is a band I haven't heard about in a really long time. What was the guitar player's name? Jeff. Yeah. The, um, the lead singer songwriter was Eric Barrow, who I still keep mm. in touch with. He still makes records. Great, mm-hmm. great, great power pop artists. But, and we used to play with them cause they were, they were Providence based at the yeah. time. And so we would like trade shows and stuff like that. And Francine, I mean, they haven't, this record 40 on a fall day is a, a phenomenal record and they hadn't played for forever. And, they recently did a show, I think maybe before, you know, everything hit with COVID in, in 2020. I think that they were sort of, I don't know if they were getting the band back together and it was going to be anything they would do on the regular, but I'd sure love to see them again. They were very, very talented. Um, really great songs. Do you remember the great Bandini? Yes. Scott Janovitz, right? Yep. That is a spectacular sounding record. The songs are great and everything, but it sounds really, really good. So 
the bass player from that band, Chris Zembauer, who was also a mastering engineer for a while, he played with me for a while, played bass in my band. Mm-hmm. We're still good friends and keep in touch and stuff like that. So I actually hit him up and I didn't remember the name of the band. Yeah. I, was, I was like, what was the name of that band? You're in. They had like a joke name. <laughs> and he was like the great bandini. And I was like, yes. And then I listened to the record and I was like, holy crap, this sounds mm-hmm. good. That Gigolo Ants record I listened to a lot. I feel like they were kind of like heroes at that time. Yeah, they were poised. I mean, they they were certainly a very busy working band at the at the height of their popularity, so to speak. They were they were playing tons of great gigs, I recall. Oh yeah, opened up for a lot. And they, and they they had some kind of a weird relationship with the um those two brothers that made all those comedy movies, uh The Farrellys? The, the Fairly Brothers. Yeah, yes. they got so they were, some play. Yeah, they were on a bunch of those those soundtracks and stuff. So Dave Gibbs, you know, he he moved out here decades ago, and mm-hmm. he uh, is a restaurateur now here. Owns a bunch of rest, really great restaurants. Mm-hmm. I'll have cool. to look one up when I'm back out there. I try to run into old friends with them there. The last time I was out there, you must know Anthony Resta. Yeah, um, of course. I, I drop by. He has a place in laurel canyon so i was like i'm gonna pop in and see you he's just such a such a sweet guy and always like sending me projects that he's working on and stuff so i was like when i'm in la i'm really gonna stop and see you he's like will you will you really 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 please stop and see me i'm like yes i will really stop and see you well i would love to hang out when when you come to town let's go to let's go to one of dave gibbs oh i would love to restaurants and and maybe we could try to go like when he's there and he could stop by and say hi we could reminisce and stuff i would love it
Boston Emissions, the Everyday Visuals. Her breathing is music. They are originally from New Hampshire. Francine Jet to Norway from 40 on a Fall Day. Glorious record. The great bandini, one to one. And Gigolo Aunt's super, ultra, wicked, mega love. 
That was hard to remember. I had to write that down. I would have never gotten that right. You were listening to Boston Emissions. My name is Angel Wood. I have a very special guest. It's Blue. He came up through the ranks playing music in Boston for a very long time, won the Rock and Roll Rumble in 2001. Blue moved out to Los Angeles and has been working full time as a musician, songwriter, producer, etc. ever since. He's returning to Boston in August, August 27th, to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the release of Red Hat. He returns after a pretty long live absence. I asked him when the last time was he played here. Was it the TT's closing? Probably it, was. It had to be, yeah. yeah. Probably was. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Um yeah, that was a long time ago now. <laughs> I think that was 2015. Was it 2015? Oh I'd, I'd have to cheat and, and look and find out when they closed, but I think it was 2015. That was sad. Man, that was sad. I, miss, was I still sad. miss TTs to this day. I miss it to this day. Yeah, so many memories, you know, from there. Uh, not just playing shows, but, you know, went to go see shows there all the time. A lot of these mm -hmm. bands that are on this playlist, a lot of them mm -hmm. I saw there. That's right. Um, nearly all of them, I would say, actually. So, you know, I don't, don't want to sound like the old guy reminiscing about the old days. And it wasn't some, like, you know, amazing place or anything like that it just was like our place <laughs> it was our place it had a hole in the floor in the girls room uh it was nasty and grubby but it was our nasty and grubby and it was uh you know i do love to talk about this stuff because i'm gonna sound old by by saying like kids today didn't have the same experiences you know the the venues are different in the city now there are less of them and they're different and you know certainly people consume music a bit differently than than we did but i love the stories i love hearing about it it's weird but like we were all making rock music mm -hmm. you right. know and that you know that we it was a rock scene mm -hmm. and and it was real we and we were trying to make good music like not just there wasn't like so much of a focus on like what you looked like it wasn't like the hair days mm -hmm. you know where it was like the image was like the whole thing not not that we didn't think about that stuff but mm -hmm. i guess it wasn't at the like top of the list does that exist anymore i mean i guess it does i mean there there are still rock bands right yeah but, sure there are sure there yeah, are there there are of course <laughs> there are but but uh but it was a scene you know that that was our scene the our kind of you know, the noise bands, so to speak. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, the, the, you know, the fanzine. Right. Which is no more. Yep. Um, I, st I still have a bunch of old copies. I uh, do too. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun to look, look through them and, and remember all the bands and, you know, read the articles, which were all written by other people in other bands, mostly. <laughs> <you know>? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, Unedited. Uh, yeah yeah it was smelly and beer soaked and sweaty god god oh, we sweat oh, many so a night. much many a night rolling out into the sidewalk to cool off yeah big time and 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 it was great and and i and i loved it and i you know i i look back at some live footage 
I have a tape of of one of the Rumble nights, the year oh, that we yes. won the Rumble. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't it wasn't the night that we won. I think it was the semifinals. So, so it was the second to the last night, and I was like, you know, we we were good. Like <laughs> not not to toot my own horn, but we we were a good little band. You know, it's going to be fun to revisit that. I mean, I, I had a very frank conversation with uh max toasty and and bill guerra about you know the when i went to boston last there's a whole other story behind that why i was even there but mm-hmm. um and i was like do you want it like my manager stacy peck my long i always call her my long suffering manager <laughs> <laughs> she stuck with you for a long time <laughs> a long time but um but yeah um you know she really wanted to make this happen and I got together with those guys to be like, do you, do you want to do it? You know? And like, because like, I want to hang out with you guys Mm -hmm. definitely, but I don't know. I don't know how much I really care about playing a show. You know, (laughs) I I can, we can just plan, you know, we can all just go away for the weekend and all hang out and have a good time and play some old records, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. but they were really enthusiastic about it and, and they were really, really encouraging of it. And so yeah, we're we're doing it, and I'm excited about it. And Chauncey's gonna play, which is uh, JP Powell, uh, the lead singer of Chauncey, used to play in my band back in the day, mm-hmm. and um, and we've stayed friends all these years. And I've I've produced some records that he's done um, over the years, but uh, but yeah, we we asked them if they would also reunite because we we really wanted to like you know it to kind of be old home week and, and, you know, uh, to have somebody else sort of that hadn't played in a long time, get back together. And, uh, and so that worked out. I actually just talked to JP today. He's, he's helping open a music venue in Roanoke, Virginia, where he lives. Awesome. Uh, what, what's it called? Do you know much about it? I don't. I mean, he, he just told me about it today, but he said it's a little bit bigger than Sinclair. Huh. So he's really excited to play at Sinclair. He's also going to play my set as well, which I'm so stoked about. But um, And he's going to be in L.A. next week, so we're going to hang out. But yeah, he's owned a couple of restaurants in Roanoke. And and Roanoke is, is the nearest big city to where I grew up in Blacksburg, yeah. Virginia. And uh, yeah, he's owned a couple of um, incredible restaurants there for for several years and and now um now he's he's working on opening up the venue so he's he's excited about it but yeah i think it might be hard to get through the night without shedding a few tears yeah too you know we've we've lo- we've lost a lot of people yeah, you have. know and uh but you know it it's it's good to celebrate <laughs> the ones that are still here and and to live a little, you know? Well, and that's the thing. We, we have had uh, a great deal of, you know, upheaval, turmoil, loss, any way that you want to, you want to say it, but you know, the beauty of music is that it does take you outside of that for a little while and it's healing at the same time. It takes you away from the bullshit, you know, like you don't want to go see a band and they're like, hey, let's talk about cancer. No, 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 no. Play some rock songs. Let's escape for a minute. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You know, I think people do that. They're like, oh, there's so much, so many problems going on in the world. I shouldn't be doing this. Of course you should be doing it. All the more reason. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. 
No, I, I agree. I mean, this this is one of the good things in this mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of, one of the things that's like worth celebrating and mm-hmm. believing in and enjoying. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm with you on that. So Redhead in its entirety, uh, you're going to play some. I'm not new... playing Redhead in its entirety. No, I not start to make finish. Clear. I'm not playing it start to finish. I, yeah. And so, but I am going to play, I'm playing and there's people that are inevitably going to be disappointed that I didn't play some mm. song or another, but mm-hmm. I'm playing, what was it? I'm playing because it actually was released in two versions. Mm-hmm. And between the two versions, I think there are 16 songs. And I, I didn't want to do all those. And then and then kind of knowing that, you know, people were going to be disappointed no matter what. I was like, you know what? I'm playing, I'm playing the ones that we played back in the day. I'm playing yeah. all, all of the songs that we played. Right. <laughs> Basically yes. is what it comes down to. And then and then I'm essentially playing one song from almost all of my other records. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be an 18 to 20 song set. It's, you know, it's 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 going to be a long set. <laughs>
Chauncey, that's light. Blue, somebody else off Redhead, both Chauncey and Blue, part of the Sinclair Show on August 27th. Tickets are available, by the way. I linked everything at bostonemissions.com. Now, of course, you can hear the show every Sunday at 3 p.m. on Uncertain FM, and you can support Uncertain. Go to patreon.com slash Uncertain FM to keep the train on the tracks. As I like to say, it's very true. It has been really fun catching up with Blue. It is, it's been a bit. This playlist he created on Spotify that I will share, you know, listen to the radio show and then have your fun on the Spotify. The Spotify. You know, certainly there's more songs on the Spotify playlist that he created than I could possibly fit in two hours of of Boston Emissions. It's been a really fun blast from the past to revisit some of these bands. Those of you who listen to Boston Emissions with any regularity, especially around the holiday season, I always pull out something from the Blue Holiday record. Most notably the 12 Days of Christmas with the Boston Rock and Roll All-Star lineup. I learned something very interesting about the making of that. And I know this is completely not appropriate for a summertime show. However, I remain a very huge fan of the holiday record. 
Big Big Bang Holodang, is that what you call it? Yeah, Bing uh, Bing Bang. Bing Bang, Bing Bang. Uh, I play I play that every year. Every Christmas I play something from that on on Boston Emissions. So Blue It has not been forgotten. Oh, <laughs> thank no, it's you. No, long. I mean, I know I know that's I don't even know when that came out, but you have all of the who's who, the what's what of Boston rock for for a lot of years. You know, Kay Hanley, Bill Janovitz, Jason Kendall, I, Dickie Barrett's on that too, isn't he? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So can yeah. I have you come back for the holiday season and then do that record? That would be amazing. I know it's asking I, a lot. Of course. I, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd love to. I mean, it's I, so I'm, awesome. I, Snow day. It's an old record. A lot of yeah. it doesn't doesn't quite hold up for me. Like yeah. I can still listen to Redhead and yeah. and en- enjoy it, but but um, you know, a lot of a lot of that stuff is is on that record is pretty homemade. <laughs> but yeah. but you know, yeah. may, but there's a charm to that. I mean, I will say that 12 Days song, I feel like because of the history mm-hmm. of it it is it's a snapshot of yes. Boston music. I think that way about it all the time. I'm like, just imagine this for a moment, all of these people coming together, you know, during that time, whether, whether, you know, you were all in the same room or not during that time. Um, but they just have were, everybody they present. were, Oh, that's so great. It was recorded all on the same day. All what? those people came in on the sa- on one day. It was wow. bananas. That's it an was- amazing thing. I mean, that there are a lot of Marilu Lords on that. Yep. Yeah, I just, uh, I hear their voices in my head. What's his name from uh, the Gravel Pit? He's on there. Jed. Um, Jed, and uh, Five O'clock Shadow. They were like an acapella group <laughs> that was like popular at that time. Wow. They, uh, um, I think, um, what's her name? Who had? Uh, I don't want to wait for our love to the other. Paula Cole. She was in Five O'clock Shadow. Uh-huh. Yeah, not exactly Paula Cole. Not at the time that they sang on that thing, but she came huh. out of that group. But That's anyway, cool. yeah. No, it's it's quite a little a little snapshot, and and uh, for that reason, you know, I'm I'm still proud of that record, but not it's, necessarily. It's, it's fun. It, it's it's fun. Yeah, it's fun for people who know the history of the town, which is what I do. It's it's so it's so fun to play it every year because people are like, oh, yeah. And then, oh, and oh, and Bill and oh, it's people discover it over and over and over again. Totally. It took a little while for us to pull this together, but I'm so grateful for you touching base with me and talking about some of this stuff because I really do enjoy it. I really do like to see your success since you've, you know, moved on. And, um, you know, we in Boston, you know, appreciate that because you were, you're very much, despite the fact you didn't grow up here, you're very much part of what Boston music is for a lot of us. And um, it's going to be great to have you back in August at the Sinclair show. Thanks. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Don't be Um, a stranger. You know, I come back quite quite often. I just, yeah. um, I you know, I I don't play that much anymore. That's yeah. the reality. My my musical life is is mm-hmm. different now. It's mm-hmm. I still make records. I still make my own records, but yeah. playing live just it, you know, um, it it just isn't as big a part of of what I do anymore. Right. And people are like, oh, that's too bad, and all this stuff. And I'm like, it's really, it's not too bad for me. <laughs> 
you know, like I'm, yeah. I'm, I, I, I like, I enjoy playing live and I'm really psyched to play the show and stuff like that, but it's, yeah. it's not, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, my life is very full, I guess is mm-hmm. what I should say. Mm-hmm. And full of music. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm making music every single day. Yeah. Um, still. So, you know, people dream great. of that. People dream to, of being able to do that. So that's fantastic that you get to live that life. It is. I, I don't take it for granted mm-hmm. uh, at, at all either. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I work hard to, to keep it going and yeah, I'm, I'm really lucky. It's, it's, there's all, especially the, the, the incredible variety of bizarre things that I get to participate <laughs> in. It, it makes life fun. And, and I appreciate that. You know, I gotta, I, my manager, my long suffering manager, Stacy Peck, would absolutely kill me if I also didn't mention that we just launched Redhead on vinyl. All right. Um, it just went up. I think it's already, we, we had to, it's sort of like a Kickstarter-y kind of thing. So it, 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 we had to like reach a certain number of copies in order to, for it to be funded, but that has already happened from what I understand. So it is going to happen. What's the company called? Diggers Factory. They've been really cool to to work with. Um, and they're going to press it for end. you after you reached the goal that you were yeah. setting your sights on, and they're going to press it and distribute it for you. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. Amazing. But if anybody you know wants to get a copy, like we're we're only doing this once, mm. and you can only order for like a limited period of time, and because that's how the whole like system works basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they do the, the print run and you know, that's it. So yeah, if anybody wants to get a copy, please, please do it. It, it looks really good. It's red vinyl. And that company also helped recreate all the artwork. That's part of what they do. It's really cool. Actually. They, they literally help you like they specialize in this yeah. in these sort of reissues and things like that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you can't put as many songs on mm-hmm. vinyl as you can on a CD. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, inevitably you have to change the artwork somewhat and stuff like that. But they do all that for you. And it looks great. They did like an amazing job. I'm psyched about that. And um, I'm not a huge vinyl person, but obviously yeah. I know a lot of people I, I listen to tapes. I already told you that, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I know a lot of people, you know, obviously that are really into it and I'm getting it mastered mm-hmm. specifically for vinyl from like my dude, my mastering guy, Jeff Lipton. Uh, oh, at Peer- from Peerless. At Peerless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who I have a long relationship. He masters every, everything that I do. Some like major label stuff, obviously yeah. they, mm-hmm. they use other mastering people, but all the singles, mm-hmm that I work on and, and stuff like that. All of it goes through, through Jeff. I love working with him. So, um, and actually if he hears this, he doesn't know yet. I haven't told him yet. Uh, surprise. <laughs> surprise. I got another big project for you. He had to do my, um, um, Sony Japan re-released the LEO record and, yeah. and they did a blue retrospective mm-hmm. along with that. And he had to like work on that, like, which was a massive project so mm-hmm. um here comes another one this is actually going to be less massive than than that um but but anyway yeah so that's that's up there i did my duty stacy yes i job. mentioned the vinyl in closing thanks again for spending some time with me and um, oh my god thank you this playlist is incredible i put three of my songs 
on it because because yeah. Stacy told me to. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. I mean, who doesn't love Ben Camaro? Oh, and by the way, Ben Camaro. I wrote that song. Record. You did. They you are. Did. Yeah, I I wrote that one. That's why I put that one on there. It's Nightlife not, Commando. I do want to mention that this is by no means complete or like yeah. extensive. It's just it's kind of a snapshot. I basically just you know texted and called a bunch of my friends in the several hours before we did this interview <laughs> and we were like oh yeah and remember yeah. them and oh yeah. my god i love that song there was bands i had totally forgotten about like uh the space shots oh i, um, I remember them well and uh that song i love that and i loved that song back then that offense defense song is, is great there's a lot a lot of really fun stuff on there we were talking about ruby horse max was like good drinkers <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the damn personals isn't on Spotify. Uh, Max wore that record out in the van when when we were touring. But um, so that that's a live song from a WERS thing um, that's on there. Right on. There was a bunch of stuff that wasn't on Spotify. So again, totally not extensive. I actually hit up Dave Richards from uh, from Favorite Atomic Hero because we still. Yeah chat sometime yeah. and i'm like i'm like hey you're not on spotify he's like oh it used to be on there i gotta look into that so <laughs> that's that is one of my all-time favorite songs it's so good and and really everything that dave has done after he he had another band for a little while after that he's also a, a, just a really great songwriter too 100 percent. yeah um yeah he was i he was one of those guys where i always felt like he could have and should have been way bigger mm -hmm. than he was, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot, a lot of people, a lot of, yeah. a lot of people fall into that category yeah. for, for sure. Yeah. But laying down, dreaming on a bed of earth, betting that you wouldn't make a while my worth. Waiting out seasons just to see who's first. The devil, or the average average cheater.
Boston Emissions. Going in the way, way back machine with the space shots off siren sounds, offense, defense. That came out, oh yeah, uh, 2003. <laughs> it's almost 20 years old itself. All right, this has been a great time. Thanks so much to Blue for hanging out and uh, chatting up with me. And I will catch you in Sherman Oaks uh, the next time I'm out on the left coast. Blue count on that. All right, Blue. Redhead 20th anniversary, August 27th at the Sinclair in Cambridge with Chauncey. I have totally run out of show. I jam-packed this. Songs of the week, Roser, Little Fuss, Sugar Lane, The Chelsea Curve, and Andrea Gillis. I will make good and include it on this week's On the Town with Mikey D on WMFO on Wednesday night. All right, I'm going to close out the show with a classic number like I do. It's blue, and it's I Won't Go Hollywood, and that's a wrap. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening. BostonEmissions.com for everything.
This is Zip Tie Handcuffs. This, this is, is Warshipper. This is Sasha. And this is Chris. And we are When, when Particles, Particles Collide. This is Ward Hayden from Girls, Guns, and Glory. We are Goddamn Dracula. Hey, this is Paul Hansen of the Grown Up Noise. Hey, what's up? It's Michael Morata from Vanyaland. I am Anne from, from Harris Hawk. We are Salem Wolves. I am Ruby Rose Fox, and you are listening to Boston Emissions with Angel Wood. <laughs> 